Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve that little bit deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailesh, I'm the COO at Get Football Group, and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, David. David, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Shailesh, how are you? Very well indeed. Just for the audience out there, this is early for David, so he's he's been kind enough to wake up super early and, and go through this today. And if you've not seen the previous or heard the previous episodes, just to kind of give you a bit of a an update, you know, last week we released um, an episode where we titled it The Food Chain, looking at some of the, the smaller market clubs and, and how they operate and some of the significant ways that they work. Um, and Previous to that, we you know we released some episodes on recruitment, culture, and uh, we looked specifically at a couple of um, sporting directors um, who work in at clubs um, across Europe. So we hope you get a chance to listen to those. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to dive a little bit deeper into into one of the smaller market clubs, something something that is quite interesting, and we're looking at Sassuolo. Um, they're a Serie A side. You know, they are, I guess, a stable one. They've been, you know, finishing mid-table in Serie A. But there is something quite interesting about this club. And and I'll I'll head over to David. David, why, why do you want to talk about Sassuolo today? Yeah, I mean, it it, it obviously would, would benefit from a longer conversation as far as the, the ownership of the club um, and their sponsorship by MAPAI. But... Their project is led, has been led by uh, Giovanni Carnavali. And one of the things that I've learned as I get older, uh, one of the things I've learned to appreciate is when a, let's call it a successful director, or a successful person, whether it's in business or dare I even say politics, but especially in sports, when they can trace their growth um, in that field or industry, and you hear other names that you, you kind of knew about. So Giovanni Carnavali learned a lot from Beppe Marotta, who is at Inter now, but has been at Juventus, has been at Sampdoria, and uh, a handful, a host of smaller Italian clubs that I would be uh, fooling myself if I could pronounce at this, <laughs> this point of the day for me. But one of the things that you, you learn about um, Italian directors is that they understand value. And the bigger picture with Sassuolo is, you know, if you take a step back and you look at Serie A, and if you, actually you look at any top five league, quite frankly, Champions League places are at most, what, two or three? Um, I guess there might be, yeah, two or three or, or four slots. And then you have one or two slots for, um, I'm just going to say Europa League and then Europa Conference League combined. If you're a sound club and you're planning your 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 your, your squad building and your let's just call it your market cycles accordingly, you know that it would be it's not smart to plan to be in a Champions League if you do not have the financial clout. So in Italy, if you're not AC or Inter Milan, if you're not Napoli, definitely if you're not Juventus. Um, and then depending on the year and, and the, you know, the movement of players, then you have your clubs like, say, Fiorentina, Lazio, Roma, 
like you, you need to make sure that you have a squad that a I talk about it pretty much every week, but you, a you have a squad that's not going to get relegated. B you have um, I'll use the phrase upward mobility in your roster, so you have to have you have to have a core to your squad. I don't want to use the word young necessarily, but you have to have a core of your squad of your squad that is projecting upward. And projecting upward is simple. They're either better than let's just call it the average in the league um, statistically, or B, which is easier to do, they have promising potential. So when you have that promising potential, you you have the opportunity to potentially sell that player on if they have a, a good season. And that's what um, Sassuolo has done for over a decade. But the the new there's two key nuances um, to their uh, project. So the first nuance is that they try to keep it as um, Italian as possible. So if you are if you're at a, a bigger club in Italy, uh, Juventus, Roma, uh, Napoli, whoever, and there's no way. I mean, think about let's see let's use Juventus as an example. If you're a center mid and you're 19, 20, and, um, and the other interesting thing, too, is that when you understand markets and leagues and countries, you also give yourself, you give your club an advantage because you know what, um, you know what is standard, what is accepted, and what is not. So one of the things about Italian leagues, um, for whatever reason, there is this, well, I know the reason, but there's this distrust for playing young players uh they they very much need to when i say playing i mean heavy minutes not just you know that you get from minute 77 to the end of the end of the match and there's also this it's not really it's it's kind of tempered a little bit but if a player gets loaned out they don't really anyway it's just it's, it's interesting there's just this distrust for loaning around for playing younger profiles especially attacking profiles a lot um so what sassuolo tries their best to do is to take those players from those academies or from those youth setups and insert them into a project where um, they're going to get continuity now they also zoom out and they get uh, i'm going to call them academy castoffs not because they're bad but because they just haven't gotten minutes professional minutes so when you think of say um, uh, Jeremy Boga, who was at Chelsea for however long and was promising, had been promising for multiple seasons, and they take him and they put him into their project and they just let him fly, right? They let him fly. You look at you, sorry, you look at Gianluca Scamacca, who I believe it was two seasons ago um, that he had his breakthrough season at um, Sassuolo. Uh, I believe it was a Roma project, went to Manchester, went to PSV, just going many different places where at the end of the day, uh, just it's kind of hard to score goals if you're not comfortable, right? Like, I, I don't really know of any other um, way of saying that. But once he, once Carnavale and, and, and Dionisi were able to just teach him how to be and I say this like somewhat jokefully, teach him how to be comfortable being a professional in their setup. They saw him blossom to the tune of, I mean, I don't know how many odd million euro, I don't recall how many odd mil, million euro they sold him to West Ham. 
it was a lot. Just, what's that? It was a lot. So. Well, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, uh, emphasis on lot, a lot. I mean, for, for for their project to continue to work, they they that's what those are the two things they focus on. They focus on Italian young players. So now there's Fratesi. Um, there in, in the past, let me make sure I don't. Um, butcher their names, but I, I mean, I think of Demerel, um, Mary Demerel, who this, I think they sold them to Juventus. I mean, anytime you can get a player who is on the cusp of breaking through for, I'm just going to use round numbers, under six or seven million euro, and then sell him for um, at least 20 million euro, just using very vague numbers, it means that you're doing something right. Um, I like to call it player arbitrage, but what I've learned is that you can put whatever label you want on it as an outsider. On the insider, it's a validation of the project because you know that you're able to turn um, a profile into, uh, my heart wants to say a profit, but more so sustainability because that player isn't attracting um eyes isn't isn't getting you know offers if they're not sustainable to your project right too often we want to play football manager and i i I want to play it too don't get me wrong too often we want to play football manager and we say oh well if we stuck you know just to use a name that's that's super super relevant in this transfer window if we stuck mason mount in uh you know manchester united you know he'd be able to do xyz okay um, the, the question that I always think about is, okay, I'm not saying it's a similar, same type of player, but then what about Donny Van de Beek, right? Like, it's not that the, the project has failed or flown based off of one profile, right? But we always want to make sure that the project has, ironically, escape clauses. You know, there, there has to be players moving. Um, and the... I know that we'll talk about Manchester United. We'll talk about South Swallow. But the but the interesting thing is is that the when you when you look at how players move, how players move at say at the top of the food chain, say um, Real Madrid, Kareem Benzema moving is a big deal um, because they didn't exactly foresee that, but they've already fixed that, right? They've already gotten uh, Jose Lu. Um, I know that there's a Real Madrid Castilla project that they're going to have um, in the first team. He, he might be 18, right? But they've already solved that. Uh, Luka Modric was never going. I don't care what anybody says. I'll break news for everybody. He was never going anywhere, right? But then after that, there, there's very little movement. It's only really, uh, really about renewals. That's the top of the food chain. When you're at, say, I would say bottom middle, like where Sassuolo is, you know every single window you might lose two or three profiles. And that's fine, but you have to have, and this is uh, their CEO, Giovanni Caravalli, you have to have a, a leader, a director who understands how to play the transfer game optically. And that's what Sassuolo has done. They know that they need, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I'll stop here shortly. They, they know that they need young profiles, young players, but they also know that they need young managers 
who fit those profiles. And they've had Allegri um, as a manager. They have Roberto De Zerbi as a manager. The manager that they have right now is pretty good. I, mean, I don't see him there much past this season. Alessio Dionisi. So when you think about that, a project where you're playing younger profiles with a younger manager and it's attacking football, you're going to lose players, but you have to have a plan. A, you have to have a two to three season plan of how, how and when you let certain players leave. It's really interesting, actually, when you talk about Sassuolo, because, I mean, this is your kind of archetypal small market, mid-table kind of club that is without doubt necessary in all of football, right? Every single league, we need clubs like this, right, for everything to kind of tick along. It's that whole food chain mentality, right? And like you said, I think at the start of the show, you know, it's not a sexy project, right, which is always grabbing the headlines, but it's a shrewd one. Right, and it's one that works, and it's one that's stable, right, and it's very, very evident. I just want to just pick up on one thing because because we talk about Carnavali, and he's the chairman there, right? So he's not from a title perspective the sporting director who's you know who's Giovanni Ross. We talked previously about Brighton as well; they have a kind of a similar kind of thing where there's outward facing directors and things. Is this? Is it? I mean, what what are you seeing any nuances in the way they operate and and what their roles are specifically when it comes to kind of sporting director? roles that we have you know come to talk about already or it and i'm talking primarily in terms of the setup within the kind of a Serie R club and maybe compare it to other european clubs i guess so i would that's a great question um i would compare it more so towards uh, i'm just going to use the a catch-all phrase and call it more of a progressive setup so when you have a progressive recruitment setup you have your um I call it the one mostly autonomous decision maker. That's the one who's going to be at the club and who knows the club, who probably played at the club, who talks with ownership every single day, whether it's, you know, an update or, hey, did you read the, you know, the, the headlines of like, you know, Gazzetta del Sport, right? Um, so you have that person who is essentially number one A or two at the club right after the ownership. And then underneath them, and this is where you, if, if you look at, say, um, a Brighton and, I mean, Chelsea's doing it, but they're doing it on a level that is just, uh, to be respectful, amplified. Uh, you, you have multiple recruitment minds um, who sit underneath that one a decision maker, if you will, and they hoover up talent and they hoover up t- uh, recruitment intel so that the one decision maker can prove or not prove, can choose, elect the best option, right? So at uh, Sassuolo, you have, um, and the tricky thing is, so this is where like time isn't always uh, nice uh, to those of us who are outside the club or who are not agents and we don't know who specifically to talk to at every club. The tricky thing is, especially with language, is that um, how and who does what is very, um, it's not that it's subjective. It could be a seasonal type of thing or a specific window. So for Sassuolo, you have Carnavali, and then he has a sporting director. And then they have a, um, I believe they have an academy director as well. And then they have um the manager, I was thinking of his face and not his actual title. They have a manager. 
So between those four, four and a half people, depending on how much, um, uh, how much the, um, the executive leadership needs to get involved with how big the transfer is potentially, all they do is run the same, I'm going to call it run the same plays or run the same set piece every single time. Who's young, who's Italian and who's, who's available within our budget. They, they do that on repeat. And as a contrast, I guess Chelsea being the club, we, I, I somewhat bash for, for, um, for contrast here. So what they keep doing is they keep thinking about two or three seasons out, right? Because when you, and you said it, when you're at a small club, the, the harsh reality is, is that you have to stay above the relegation zone. Uh, now, if you amplify that past, you know, the, the, the table math, you also have a project where you have two factors of uncertainty. You have younger players who haven't exactly proven themselves. But then this is to me the scarier part. If I'm at a club, you have you have a, a manager chair, manager role that quite honestly could leave at any time at any point in time. You know, we made the comments or I've made comments before about how um, Paul Bar- Paul Barber said he won't pick up the phone if Todd Bowley calls because he's asking for one of his staff. That's that's the reality of a smaller market club. They have to they have to have contingency plans for basically every single uh, backroom staff um, role. Uh, then you multiply that times players uh, just in the first team. I mean, you're talking about a, an organizational chart or a, a shadow list, if you will, of up to 100, maybe even more, depending on how you know radical they, they, they need to be. So... To answer your question, I think it's progressive because you're 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 not allowing chance as far as upstream to affect what happens at your club, right? In, in uh, Sassuolo's example, what happens at Juventus, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Lazio, Roma, uh, and Napoli directly affects their personnel every single time, right? So if Spalletti says, I don't want to manage, um, I want to take a sabbatical, which I wish I could pull off where I work. But, like, you know, if, if Spalletti says he doesn't want to manage for the last year of his contract, you know, you can go into uh, the summer holiday at Sassuolo saying that we have X, Y, and Z manager, and this is what we're going to do. But once Spalletti announces that, you already know they're talking to your top manager, Right. You know, you already know he's in that list. Uh, and so, again, the managers aren't as um, sexy or aren't as headline pulling as players are, especially under 23 profiles. You know, they're not. But that is what keeps uh, directors up at night. Who is tapping up <laughs> our managers? Who, 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 who has shown an interest in what we do? Um, not just for you know, our benefit, but definitely, you know, that they might take our talent and leave. It's, it, I mean, the, the way they, they seem to operate, and if you look at just that, their recruitment, you know, over the last however, 10 years, they obviously are within a, 
I guess, quite quite a narrow band. I mean, you don't get huge transfers coming in. You don't get huge outgoings and things like that, right? And so they really, it feels like they really know what they are. They really know what they're trying to do. And and, and I don't want to talk about survival because I don't think they're in a survival mode at all, right? It feels very much like they are just, they're stable. They know their position. They're quite happy. They're quite content. And if they find that one gem or they find something which is going to elevate them to the next level, they will do it. But it doesn't sound like they will take that huge risk for that to happen and kind of disrupt everything within. Just going back to previously, we talked about they take young Italian talent. You know, they also develop Italian managers. So that whole Italian culture, similar to when we talked about Bayern Munich, actually, in Germany, how they always want to have, I guess, that German element, which is obviously a cultural thing. Do you see a very similar thing with Sassuolo? And is that different to other clubs within Serie A? It doesn't feel like it is, but when I compare it to, say, the Premier League, where they have you know, people in their organisations from all over the world, I guess, and that's the culture, I guess, in the Premier League, um, as opposed to just have English, English, English. Um, is that what you see in, in Italy? And is that what you see with Sassuolo, with regards to kind of Italian culture and heritage? Um, yes and no. Uh, that's a cop-out answer, but it, it, it's more so, um, it, it, it's a function of, of the, of the, it's a function of, of the field in a sense, right? So when you're looking at the top seven clubs, it's the seven sisters, uh, in Italy. If you don't, the difference between Europa League and Champions League financially is, is immense, Right. So you have more of a, I'm going to put the label on it. You have more of a results-based thinking. You don't have project-based thinking. Like that, and that, that is where, um, for me, for my attention, that's why it's, it's kind of fulfilling for Napoli to win, in a sense. Because, I mean, if you go back to when they had... Uh, Rafa Benitez or Walter Mazzari managing them. And they were all so close, so close, so close. They were going up against the monsters, um, the, the traditional monsters of Serie A where, I mean, do we, does it, I'll just say it, like, does it matter how Juventus plays? Does it matter how AC Milan plays or Inter Milan plays? No. The only thing that matters is that they win. That, that is like, that is the harsh, harsh reality. Did you win or did you not? Because tradition, and um, you hear it in, in Italy more so than other, even in other Latin American or, or um, Spanish countries or, or, or clubs, they talk about heavy shirts and the event, heavy shirts as far as the history and, and tradition. Um, going back to a previous uh, conversation, it's kind of why, you know, Paolo Maldini leaving AC Milan in, in the manner that he left it is kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's in the middle of the window and there's a lot going on right now, but how they did it is kind of disrespectful to, to the, to the tradition of the club. And that will come back to roost when it comes back to roost. But to your point, Sassuolo knows that their shirt is not in quotation marks heavy. It's green and black. They've only been in existence less than 25 years. There is no, um, Rasmus Ankerson, I know he's not a, a great hot name in uh, the UK at the moment, but one of the things that he said as far as uh, the benefits of them going to Brentford um, and then what they did at Michelin is that you're talking about clubs that don't did not have 
for Brentford, it did not have the best uh, historical legacy of winning. He didn't say that they're a bad club, but they didn't have multiple Champions Leagues and multiple, like, you know, pieces of silverware when you walk into the club. Michelin is not, again, Michelin is similar to Sassuolo. I don't even believe they're 25 years old as a club. So when you don't have any tradition, uh, you know, to steal a line from football Twitter, Twitter where we ain't got no history, you're creating it on the fly. And you don't have um, these, dare I say, these, these, these people, these fans who have been on, on the ride the whole time and can say, oh, hey, no. You know, in Manchester United's case, you know, uh, Busby never did it like that. Sir Alex never did it like that. You're at Sassuolo, right? There, there's no, you can't say, um, um, trying to think of his name, uh, Fabio Capello. He, did, he didn't manage like that. You know, uh, it, it's very, the opportunity to be specific is, is whispering at so many levels to so many clubs who do not go to Europe every single season. Yet what you continue to see and what you will always see is just the reality from my uh, vantage point. What you will always see is clubs shoot for the slot. They're going to shoot for the European places simply because it has the biggest payoff. You cannot fault the clubs for doing that. You cannot fault them for um, prioritizing that. Those are the those are the the, the breaks of the game, you know. Uh, however, when you have a project and there's there's one or two in each of the top five leagues where they they're doing it differently. Doing it differently has its own fulfillment, and that takes an ownership and directors who identify with that to embrace it, to make it viable. It's, um, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think going, I mean, you know, their age, as you said, right, they're, you know, they're a club that was relatively recently formed and they don't have that burden of a heavy shirt, as you, as you mentioned, which I think can really, really impact the way a club operates, right, or the changes that the club wants to do. So, um, but do they have an identity then, David? I mean, what would you say their identity? I mean, from a recruitment standpoint, yeah, but as a fan, how do I connect with a club like Sassuolo, I guess, is, you know, and as a sporting director, that is also important, right? How we're perceived to the outside world, or is it important to a sporting director? It's, to me, it should be one of your handful of priorities that you're always, always checking the pulse for, Um you know, uh, this might not be the, the best uh, um, analogy, but it's it's similar to Red Bull, but with less um, outward uh, expenses and outward, oh, hey, we're going to rename this club and, and we're going to do recruitment and play a certain way and we're going to be backed by a billionaire. Um, if, you, if you look at uh, Sassuolo's origins, there is plenty of money there. Plenty, right? But... You know, like I said a few moments ago, the opportunity to choose a specific path that is not financially driven, it only speaks to certain players and it only speaks to certain managers, right? Even it only speaks to certain directors. So when I think about Sassuolo's identity, they're a green and black launch pad in Italy. Everybody is aware of that. 
the only, I mean, they have a player, Domenico Berardi, who was a decade ago, who, who was supposed to be the next great Italian forward. He never left Sassuolo. And I remember in my younger uh, world football uh, observation days, I always told myself, you know, any, any athlete, for the most part, any athlete who does not challenge himself, um, you know, you question his quote-unquote championship mentality, this, that, and the other. You know, the older I get and the more I watch different um, clubs and I see different situations, he's a champion for getting there. <laughs> so many young, talented footballers or, or athletes in any sport don't get to the pinnacle, don't get to a professional level of consistency. So whatever he chooses after that is for his own sanity. And if he's choosing the specificity of playing at Sassuolo, being the team captain, and, and knowing that he identifies wholly, wholeheartedly with that project, that is what the fans, that's what the supporters will do. Their supporters probably have, have let the ship sail as far as them ever winning Serie A. That's fine, you know, um, but what, what, what are we proud of? We play young talents and we, we frustrate the bigger clubs. You know, when I look at uh, Sassuolo, the only thing, well, the main thing that, that, you know, you see on the horizon as far as potential trouble is that these guys at the club, these directors at the club, well, Car- Carnevale specifically, he's not 51, you know? I mean, he's, he's in his 70s. So when you have uh, talented and experienced leadership that is closer to the sunset of their careers and, you know, than the sunrise, who takes up the mantle? Right. Just like with any business or any family um, leadership position. But other than that, I, I do think. I do think that there is a um, they're, they're they're culturally important in the Italian uh, football landscape because they fought off. They've been the underdog. Um, they were the underdog for almost 15 plus years. You know, and now it's only, I would say, probably since the season or so before COVID, where they, they've shifted their sights from not just avoiding relegation to like, hey, let's try to get into the upper top half of the league, of the table all the time. You know, um, I remember, what, probably a decade ago when Allegri was there and they beat AC Milan, like, I believe it was twice in the same season and maybe once in the cup. And uh, Berlusconi and Galliani at uh, at AC Milan knew right then and there. Okay, whoever our manager is right now, if, it, if and when they don't work out, which is you know just a matter of time because it's it's a very results focused um, leadership at the top of the table. We know who our next manager, or at least our top candidate, is, and it's going to be this plucky, very yeah, Allegri had more hair, hair then, but it's going to be him simply because he's at a club with no resources, com- limited resources compared to us, and they're frustrating and beating us. So I, I do think, um, and that's an odd, it's an odd uh, connection to make, I'll be honest, but I do see a lot of, um, uh, of, of the Red Bull, um, you know, uh, let's call it fundamentals framework there. Because you're talking about a multi-billion-dollar uh, cement uh, company that is behind a club, but they're not funding the club, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, they'd be they'd be more in the headlines if they were Red Bull Sassuolo, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But 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 um, I think just um, coming come the stability is obviously key, right? And I think just to just to reiterate, we talked about the last 25, 30, 40 years. That's I mean, we know the club has been around for for much longer than that, but in its relatively recent carnation, um, that's what we're talking about here. And in terms of you know going forward as a club. Um, and just just to kind of wrap this up, are they? They've obviously they've raised the floor, right, for the club. They've been in Serie A for the last ten years now. So now, like you said, they're looking. Okay, now where can we go without disrupting below? Do you see them doing anything drastic going forward? You mentioned, you know, like Carnivali's, you know, approaching seventy, um, and there's obviously going to be some succession planning, and they're obviously very good at that. But just to kind of wrap this up, what for a club like Sassuolo or just generally for a smaller market club, how important is it to maintain that stability and not really risk massively going forward your stability? That's a great question. And I think I think what we're often very quick to do on the outside is overshoot how important um, the the inside ambition is right because when you look at their project i'm going to connect them to another club here just for contrast when you when you look at their project they've been very good at trading one euro and turn it into five very good at it that gets boring though right because you're constantly dealing with the pressure and the heartburn you know the the acid reflux of of you know avoiding relegation but you can't go up that next rung in the ladder until you get that next rung in the ladder of talent, right? So if you look at the arc of Sevilla with Manchi, I mean, he's able to get uh, Danny Alves. Uh, my goodness, I'm trying. To, I'm losing track of all the names here. Uh, Ivan Rakitic. He's able to get these players for piecemeal million euro amounts, right? And then he's flipping them for more. What was the downfall of his, uh, let's just call of this past season? He said it clearly last fall. They wanted to get to the next level. And to get to the next level, you have to pay for a certain level of talent. How do you do that? Right? I mean, that's an open-ended question. How do you do that? I don't, I mean, whoever finds the answer to that will be a footballing, you know, trillionaire, right? But at the same time, who who bridges the gap between who their identity is right now and their financial means and where they can get to? I think, and this is where I'm different. I, For me, during COVID, I, I kind of turned because I was really all about multi-club setups and, you know, the recruitment benefits and the, the efficiencies and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know what? That's fine um, if you can pull it off. And it's been pulled off very well. Um, in some cases. However, football is not like other sports. Um, it's not like other businesses. There is an emotional and very local attachment to what actually happens at a club. And even if that attachment isn't geographically local, it's local to its supporters' hearts. So when you violate that, when you endanger that by being relegated, potentially, or by not having 
the shirt match up with the results in the table, you've jeopardized the project, right? And I think for me, I think that there will always be a place for those above average clubs that just aren't ever really going to be big. You know, Sassuolo doesn't need to be competing head to head with Inter Milan. Are you serious? They don't need to do that. They don't, they don't have, they would have to completely change their model for that to work for, for two seasons in a row. And I just said that, and they'll probably, you know, to spite me, try to do it next season, (laughs) you know, and that's part of it. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, um, I saw a, um, I saw that, uh, I forget his first name, but there's a Italian center back at Werder Bremen. His last name is um, Chiarodia. I think, I mean, it's just, until I see the, um, you know, the, the player and his agent and or family at that club taking a picture on club media. I don't take it as fact, but I believe uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach is going to sign him. And I'm thinking about, Werder Bremen has a strong academy. I've shared about some of their academy graduates. Werder Bremen, should, they're probably not going to win the league ever again. When I say ever again, I, I just say in the next you know, 15, 20 years. Um, why? They, they don't have the financial means of Bayern. They don't have the financial capabilities, but then also history of Borussia Dortmund. I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Uh, you, knowing who you are is more important than um, trying to be like another club or another person. That's a great way to wrap it up. And I think... The, the romantic side of football, you always want to aspire to to win and be successful. And I think, like you said, there's different factors, different attributes. You know, you could pile a whole load of cash in at this and probably succeed very fast. But if you do things like what Sassuolo and other clubs do, where they're raising their floor slowly, 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 moving to the next level, then I guess you always give that hope um, and that well aspiration to be more successful. David, Really intriguing, and I think there's there's definitely some nuggets in there for future conversations. I think we definitely, well, I'd love to delve deeper into clubs that have made, I guess, that jump um, and how they've done it, you know, and what role the sporting director has played in it, and whether they were actually stable, sustainable, or whether they just kind of fell apart after a couple of years um, of taking those chances. But thank you to you for for listening. Uh, you know, we really really appreciate the time that you take out of your day to listen to myself and David talk about sporting directors Um, and as always if you have any feedback for us then please let us know Um, we'll put the links in the show notes um, for David as well as the tweets as well as myself Um, and as always keep a a lookout for you know the get football media outlets that we have where we cover European football and world football with news videos and opinions from 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 some of the most plugged analysts that we have Uh, again I'll include a show note um, a link in the show notes as well and lastly as always just want to thank you for being here And we hope you have a great day.